It's been a while since we did not talk about uh, Blender Beam, and uh, Dian uh, has been very busy lately. So today I wanted to talk to him a little bit about the new features that he and uh, the other contributors worked on in the latest uh, release. Hello, Dian. How are you doing, man? Hello, Petro. Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, you, you keeping very, very busy. You there. Can you please try to fill me in a little bit? It's been a few months since we we talked last time. When was the last time we talked? I don't remember. I think it was somewhere in March. But yeah, that that's uh, like you had more updates. Definitely you had some important ones, but should we maybe focus on this release now? Yeah, we can fast forward to this release or... I'm just trying to think because the last one we talked about was... You're right. Ages ago. <laughs> yeah. If there are any very important features that you think have been included in other uh, releases, we can go through that as well. Well, the one previous to this release was very important, which I'm showing over here. So this was about a month and a, well, two months ago now, almost two months ago. And um, this one was a huge one because we started doing a, a lot of work that was uh, to do with the Google Summer Code and the proposal we put for the Epic Mega Grants. What are these, before you go further, what are these for, for uh, somebody who doesn't know what these are? Well, the Epic Mega Grants basically says Epic Games will provide some money and support for us to deliver something that uh, we proposed to them. So we proposed that we would deliver three things we would deliver um, greater geometric stability uh, in the form of uh, a series of automated uh, test systems. So this is this is not something that users will see. This is this is for uh, developers, but it's incredibly important. And what it is is that a lot of uh, OpenBIM is to do with generating and managing geometry, and there are all this code that uh, calculates geometry, and it's pretty difficult to calculate that geometry sometimes. And everything else that you do on top relies on that initial geometry calculation to be correct. And as time goes on, uh, as things change and geometry calculation gets more and more complex, it's important to make sure that everything still works the way it should. And IFC OpenShell is the engine which powers all this geometry calculation. And one of our proposals was to um, build this big automated system which will guarantee the quality of geometry generation so that people can trust it. They know that when they're using anything which is based off IFC OpenShell, and one of that is the Blender BIM add-on, but it's also other things that you that you see. So for example, uh, FreeCAD will also benefit from much improved geometry, uh, geometry stability, or uh, ZeoKit is another example of something that you might use, or maybe you're, you're not using ZeoKit, you might use open project as your CDE, or you might use uh, Treatify, or you might use uh, Augin. So all, all of these solutions in the industry, uh, whether you know it or not, they're actually powered by this, this one free software, which does all the geometry calculation. And so it's very important to get that correct so that this ecosystem can be built. The fundamentals are there. So that was one of three, three things we proposed. Um, unfortunately, the first one is a bit developer uh, oriented, but it, but it is uh, pretty important. The second one was to add drawing support. 
So uh, drawing generation is very, very tricky. And we thought it'd be a good idea to propose dedicated time and resources to develop the systems that could generate drawings from any IFC, not, not just within BlenderBIM, but for any system, anybody who wants to use it. Wow, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, so later on, if you're developing a CDE uh, or your own script or, your, uh, or anything you want to automate or, or even or within FreeCAD or, or in AR or VR, you, you have access to this, um, this 2D extraction engine, essentially. And uh, BlenderBIM will, I, I believe, will be one of the first graphical interfaces to let you use it to create drawings. But um, underneath the hood, it is this uh, essentially a 2D extraction engine that anybody uh, can use. And, and that's something that just, I mean, a lot of people do have similar things, but I think um, this will be definitely a first in the free software space and a first in the industry on pushing semantic 2D extraction. What I mean by that is that the, the 2D is intelligent. It's linked back. When you say uh, drawings, you don't say like detailing drawings. There will be like some uh, cross sections through some objects and you will see exactly what you see through that section. Correct, correct, correct. And when you say smart, smart drawings, they, they will be connected to the model. How exactly? Yeah, so when you, well, in traditional drawings, once you extract it, you're left with, well, I guess like rectangles and polygons. And you lose the fact that that rectangle is actually part of an original BIM object. And right now we have the systems that people are developing, uh, which kind of overlay 2D, 2D and 3D together, which is great because it, it reinforces that understanding of how these drawings actually work. Um, but this takes it a step further and you actually when you, when you click on any object or any polygon on your 2D drawing, you can bring it directly to that 3D object. It's not just a hatch pattern. It knows it's a particular type of material. And that means that your 2D drawings can be styled in any way or, or have labels generated on the fly on the client side. You don't need somebody to, to create a drawing and then you view it. It can be generated dynamically as you're viewing it. And, and you mentioned before, is it just cuts? But no, it's not just cuts. Cuts. It can also be detail drawings because IFC supports these detail drawings. It supports uh, just annotations. It supports even things like shadows or uh, light direction for uh, shadow studies, solar studies, and all of that can it isn't just hatchings or or you know colored in fills on a on a on a sheet. It's actually intelligent in your drawing, so you can imagine in a shadow diagram you knew exactly that angle, you could refer it back to the model. Um, you, could, you could change the time even. It, it, it's really fascinating. Wow. Yeah, that sounds indeed very, very nice. Anyway, it's, we're just starting, making the baby steps, um, but um, we'll get there. We'll get there, I believe. Yeah, I have no doubt. And the third thing you were talking about? So I, I guess the, the third thing we proposed was to develop all of the features required to support the entirety of the IFC specification. I, I guess the best way to explain this is that most of our BIM programs only interact with a very small aspect of IFC. For example, if we use uh, an architectural program, we are only importing, exporting architectural data in IFC. We don't have any engineering data in there. 
Uh, similarly for an engineering program, we're only doing engineering data. We're not including cost data. If we're doing cost program, we're only doing cost data. We're not doing program scheduling data. So IC supports all of these and more, including things like facility management or lighting simulation or structural analysis or energy modeling. And there's no tool out, out there in the industry that supports the 100% of the IFC specification. And this is a bit of a shame, really, because if, if our industry really wants to work together, we have to start at the very least not losing that data. And there needs to be a way to inspect the interdependencies across disciplines. Um, otherwise, it's very hard to to make sure that we're going to collaborate digitally together. If there's no tool out there that can you know, verify that these relationships are, cor are correct across disciplines. So um, if you remember earlier in the year, we rebuilt the Blender BIM add-on from scratch to use native IFC, which is the first, uh, you know, uh, I guess, in the industry of this scale of, of uh, initiative. And what that allows us to do is actually confidently say, yes, we can and we will, and we are going to uh, support 100% of the IFC schema. And uh, instead of the, the, the small fraction, which is currently supported by most, um, most uh, BIM software. So that means that we'll see new features for costing and scheduling and facility management and uh, energy analysis, MEP systems, all of that will start coming into uh, the Blender BIM add-on. That's amazing. Huge props to you for this. And everyone involved in helping, contributing, of course. Yes, and, and I think that's something that I just want to stress because um, it's almost uh, the second birthday of the Blender BIM add-on. And it, it's almost incredible to imagine that just two years ago, the Blender BIM add-on did not exist. ISC OpenShell had half the contributors that it had today. It's doubled in that time. The question of how do I view my IFC with, with free software, like or even outside Windows, was, was a big challenge. Um, we, there was no straight answer that could be given about it. Uh, whereas now, it's so easy. ISC 4 support, that's something you had to specially compile for. Uh, in general, it was, it was something that now we take for granted. We don't kind of realize just how much has improved. Uh, now there is a um, a tool for uh, you know visualizing and seeing all this data, interacting with it. With it's a huge, there's a high level API being built that programmers can write IFCs in 15 lines of code rather than hundreds of lines of code, and and be you know trying to understand the spec. There's been lots of presentations given, and the only reason this is possible is because there's been so many uh, people contributing and new people joining, uh, whether they're giving presentations or writing documentation or testing, you know, finding bugs or, or doing what you're doing. It's um, it's incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, the interest has grown and uh, I am really looking forward to see more and more people getting involved. Uh, let me ask you something specifically about IFC now. Is building smart, have they went full mode on IFC? Uh, if I remember correctly, there was a time when uh, they tried to find better formats or I don't know, uh, better ways of applying this. Do you have any idea about that or they are 100% on IFC right now and this is the only way they are going further? I'm not sure if I fully understood that question. Is the IFC a standard that they they are trying to go on full uh, on the full mode, or they are experimenting with other alternatives? 
As far as I'm concerned, for the purposes of building information, IFC is the only specification that I'm aware of from Building Smart that they are pushing. There are other specifications that are not created by Building Smart that we may investigate, like um, a great one is by Bureau Happel, the uh, bomb model, bomb model, model model. There's also things like brick schema, which have more specific use cases, like for MEP systems, or uh, Google has their own, Microsoft has their own. So it's not the only one out there, but as far as Building Smart is concerned, IFC is the only specification for that purpose. Building Smart is pushing other specifications as well, but for different purposes that complement IFC. For example, BCF is another one, IDS is another one, so the vendors don't have the excuse that they won't invest in uh, developing their software uh, to work better with IFC because uh, they are afraid or scared that uh, Building Smart will push another uh, format later on or something. So they this excuse doesn't stand for for uh, in this case. No, no, I don't think so, uh, and and I'm not aware of anybody saying that. And I think now, I mean, the biggest part of standards development is not the technical aspect; it's the um, just the social aspect, getting people to agree, you know, let's, let's just agree on something. It may not be the best, but let's agree on something. And over time, it will get better and better, fingers crossed. And I think if you kind of rewind, I don't know, 10 years ago, <laughs> I mean, IFC was around 10 years ago, but it, it wasn't around like it is today. Today, you, you can't, almost every single software supports IFC or integrates with IFC to some degree, you know, might not be great, but it, but it exists. And I don't think anyone could have quite predicted that when it first began uh, decades ago. You mean it, it's optimistic or uh, it developed better than expected or worse? Well, uh, back when this was starting, um, I don't think anyone could have quite predicted which, which one was going to become the standard from a social perspective, uh, because that, that's, the more, that's the most important thing from a social perspective. What are we agreeing on? Uh, but nowadays, I think the answer is quite clear and, and obvious to any new tech startup in uh, the AC ecosystem. You can't move very far without looking at IFC. It's it's everywhere. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. That being said, let's go through through the most important updates of the latest uh, version and uh, this one. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do the, the previous update first because there's some really fascinating stuff that happened there. Sure. So the big upgrade first was we jumped to Blender 2.93. So we support that now um, for people still on 2.92. We still support it. It's still there for you who, who wants to use it. But uh, the, the one we primarily support on the website now is 2.93. The new parametric system is in place. So what this means is that uh, when we rebuilt everything from scratch and we and to use native IFC, we built editing tools that were very raw, very, very detailed. You had to edit every single uh, aspect of, of your building information one by one. So let's say you want to draw a wall. When you draw a wall, uh, there's a lot of steps involved in drawing a wall. First, you create the wall itself. Then you create the geometry for the wall. And then you have to uh, create the data uh, for the wall, like its um, quantities. Then you might also include an axial line for that wall so that uh, you know where the, um, the material layers start from. 
So you say that you know the, the outermost layer starts here and then it goes inner layer. And then you might also generate an extra plane for structural analysis. So there's all of these separate steps which happen uh, when you draw a single wall. And then when you draw two walls, you have to repeat all of those steps again. And then when you join two walls together, you have to, again, make all of these adjustments. And we take this for granted in our BIM programs that you can just click the wall tool and you go click, click, and ta-da, I have a wall. Uh, but because we rebuilt everything from scratch, you couldn't take that for granted. And you actually had to do every single step manually. You had to create your wall, update the representation, you know, update the which, uh, where it was in the building. So is it in this floor of the building or that floor in the building? And obviously, that's not a very pleasant experience. It's good to have that fine-grained control as an option, but you don't want that to be the default option. It's, it's pretty poor. Uh, but you need to start with that because that's how systems get built. They start from very manual things and they slowly get smoother and smoother and more and more stable. So we slowly built in more things like automatic synchronization. So many things were just happened in the background. You didn't need to think about it. But this is the first time we started doing actually parametric authoring. So what that means is that when you create a wall, uh, it calculates a lot of stuff already for you out of the box. And to do that as well, there is a new project library system because in the past, you'd have to create all your wall types from scratch every single time. And that's incredibly slow. Uh, and that's not how people work nowadays. Nowadays, people have asset libraries and that's how they can create things so easily. Um, imagine if your BIM program didn't ship with asset libraries and you had to create your pipes from scratch, your doors from scratch, all the time, it's a nightmare. So we're, we're just uh, getting these features in place, which is really exciting because this starts uh, making you realize, oh, Blender Room can do this. So if I just load up this library, for example, and I'll, and I'll pull in a couple walls, I'll bring in a 100 millimeter thick wall and a 200 millimeter thick wall. Uh, now I can, uh, I have this editing tool and you can see how I can do various things with my walls. And let's say I wanna switch to my, my ground story of my building. And uh, that's my wall that I've just drawn in. And I can say, all right, let's extend the wall out to there. And along with that wall, uh, you know, it's already put it in my building story. It's already given it a layer of thickness. It's already, uh, and, and once I, we'll call this a wall.imc, uh, you can see it's calculated all the quantities for it. It's also worked out that it has a, a bounding box. It's all, it's all calculated already. And this is something we take for granted, but it's, it's something that we, we need. So we, we now have a wall creation. So now, for example, uh, if I go and create another wall, you can see it automatically worked out that it's a 90 degree attachment to that wall. So I can go take that wall, extend them out here, go add another wall. And let's say I want to extend the Well, we'll take this wall, extend them out here. And um, I'll just duplicate that wall here. And we'll, let's say we want to change that to a miter joint here. Great, now we have a miter joint. And you can see how simple and- How did you do that? I'm getting dizzy here. How did you do that? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, um, well, you can see there are all these little hotkeys. So that's another thing we're doing that, that the features were all there. Just you had to press buttons and it was all one by one. But now, now it's all built. Now we're working, we're, we're shifting our focus saying, okay, the feature there, let's make it a good experience. So you can see that that process just now is very similar to what you expect from existing BIM applications, right? It, it's not too different. Um, 
And you know, I can pull this one out. I can do half manual things. So here I am manually pulling this one out to, so let's say I'll put it two, exactly two meters away. And again, I can take both of these and let's give them both miter joint connections uh, to that wall. You can see it's extended and done the miter joint connections on both of them. So this type of uh, smooth experience, same thing if I go and switch my wall type and put a very thick wall in the middle of it, and let's say partition it, um, let's, let's partition that one as well. It, it's just easy. It's, it's, it's smooth and easy. I agree. I agree. Well, I have one question before you go further. The first time, the first uh, wall uh, which you modeled, you you needed to load it from from your computer, right? Because it's it is not in the library. Correct. I, I I loaded well. I loaded the asset library. I loaded and in my library, and you can see here. Uh, well, I don't have my library loaded anymore, but I did have it loaded, and and I loaded in a wall type. And you do that anyway in your existing software, or it comes bundled with types. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, not, that's not what I'm why I'm asking. Because if somebody will try to use Blender Beam, they they will not have access to this library because you have this on your own computer, right? Uh, yeah, this one, correct. But we're starting to distribute them and working out a way to distribute uh, not just walls, but also columns and beams uh, and standard profiles. So if I if I bring it in, you can see uh, I've got a few. I'll bring in the some columns and I'll bring in a bring in a slab and let's say a beam or so. Um, and, and then and then you'll see me use them. But you're right. We do need to start distributing these, and we will. Uh, right now, you can create your own um, semi-manually in the same way that you would create your own manually in existing software. Like you create a new, you, you know, you create a new wall type and you say this wall is X thick with a layer of this with a layer of that. Uh, so you can you can do all that right now, but that's boring. It's easier to just click import and <laughs> and and get something on my computer. But anyway, as, as you can see here, it's all kind of parametrically updating, which is really exciting. Um, I can also start drawing things. So, uh, you know, if I wanted to, I can. Um, so here I am. You can see I've I've got this sort of uh, strange thing I, I can sketch here. Um, let's see this. Let's see, let, I'm going to draw a little kink in here for whatever reason, and then we'll switch back, back to my. Um, my walls and do thin wall and there we go so now i have a whole bunch of walls created out of my sketch we'll go and uh basically start fixing up some of the I'll, this one is i didn't draw it very ne neatly so I'll, I'll just align it uh so there's all these kind of wall alignment tools fix a junction over there fix a junction here create a t junction butt junction over there and there we go so we have um you know, let's say we wanted this to be exactly uh i don't know Two meters away from there done so everything you're seeing here is not new they existed before well sort of but the new thing is that they're all it's now easier to use and there's hotkeys and it's slick and all this type of stuff so uh, more user friendly easier for uh, for new beginners and uh, it, it looks like you don't necessarily need to learn blender because this is another quite high entry point for anyone willing to try it you know yeah, correct, correct. It gives you the power of Blender, but yeah, let's exactly. face it, 99% of the time you're drawing boxes. 
Who wants to draw exactly. boxes again and again? <laughs> Let the computer draw it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's not where your creative passion is, drawing boxes. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let the computer do the dumb stuff, and then you can focus on the, the beautiful shapes. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking from an architectural perspective, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess this is... Um, Walls are one thing, but of course, there's a lot more than walls. So, for example, uh, here I am. I've just created an opening within that wall. So, this little cute hole over here, uh, which, you know, let's just, um, I don't know, make them uh, a bit bigger. And, you know, I can toggle my openings on and off. And um, we'll, we'll throw in a couple of uh, columns as well. So, I'll take a column and let's put a column over here and put a, uh, sorry. Ooh, sorry, bug. Bug, 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 bug. So ignore the bug, but you can see the column appearing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've got a few columns here, some rectangle. Uh, these ones here. Obviously, we should fix the bug. I'm not sure if that's a new bug or or if uh, that's just one on my local machine. There you go. But I guess what I want to show is that all everything you see here is again just like the wall parametric so um uh this particular i-beam for example has all of the data you need so you can see it has this currently an unknown material because it's just a test library uh, you can see all of the the web thickness the flange thickness the the depth and, and width of this uh, i-beam it's not it's not um manually modeled is all parametric so if you want to make this like a square type of thing i can just change that and if you ignore the bug which is the same bug as before you can see it's updated to be a uh, kind of uh, a universal column more than a universal beam and just ignore this bug which keeps on cropping up it's the same bug again and again <laughs> anyway it gives you an idea that we're slowly getting to the point that um it becomes easy to author and out of the box you get uh, quantity takeoff, structural analysis, and um, it will work for all of the the next systems which we throw into it, which we'll get to in a short while. But I guess right. that's the first bit, which was um, parametric behavior, which is really exciting because many people think that uh, IFCs are not parametric. This is not true. Uh, they most certainly are parametric in certain ways, not in other ways, but it can be. Many people don't realize that IFCs can be used not just as a project, but as a project library, as an asset library. So we can basically bring in objects uh, from, you know, from the library any... in different projects. Yeah, yeah, or, or reuse. If if we have a project that we are currently, uh, you can you can import that as an IFC. So, in fact, I'm going to test this here, and let's hope this uh, bug doesn't bite us. So. If... <laughs> Uh, let's see, documents, where is it? Downloads, I think this one. So let's see if, I'm not sure this will work. Um, so we'll just bring in, okay. How about this armchair, chair? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same bug, but let's see if it works despite that nasty looking uh, message. Uh, no, sorry. No, I guess it didn't. That's okay. Um, that's because of this. But, mm -hmm. Let me see if it's something unique to my session. So this, oh, I didn't save it. <laughs> I saved it before before I added the columns. But let's see if this will work. Uh, let's bring that chair. Now, nah, I've got to fix that mm -hmm. bug.
Mm-hmm. All right, pity. I wanted to, to show some nice stuff, but there's a bug in the way. <laughs> it's fine. It's going to be on the next release, I guess. Most yeah, time. correct. It, or and and uh, we we now release every single day, so you can. Uh, oh. Just... So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should mention that more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a quite uh, important detail, I would argue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so basically, every uh, couple months or one month, we just do a stable release. And by stable, I'm telling a lie because it's not actually stable as you just saw. It's mm-hmm. basically a line drawn in the sand saying, you know what? Let's just release. And at the very least, you know, you can install it and it will run, or most of the time. Uh, but that said, there is uh, this thing called developer build. So mm-hmm. things change so fast. Every single day, there there, there are new changes. Like um, you know, on the homepage, you can see just all all that yesterday, the day before. You know, every single day, there's new fixes and updates. So if you click on the developer build, it will bring you to this scary looking page. But that's okay. You just pick the one which works for you. You pick the if you're on Blender 2.93, which most of you are. Uh, or above, uh, pick the one which says Python 39, and you choose mm-hmm. your operating system. So you download it and you just install it. There you go. And see, this was released 23 hours ago, yeah. and there'll be another release in another few hours. Yeah. All right. All right. So, but on the website, you have only the stable releases, right? Yeah, make believe stable. It's not really okay. stable. It's no, no, just... no. I, I was quoting yeah. it, but uh, it was not visible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this is the place to uh, get all the cool stuff as we fix. Okay, interesting. Awesome. That's very nice tip. Thank you. In fact, that's something we are starting to do is actually document this, uh, which is um, which is great. We're getting to the stage that we can actually start writing instructions because mm-hmm. that's that's a, a common problem. You know, you say, "Oh, let's try out Blender Blim," and uh, you don't know what to do, and that's because we're too busy writing code and nobody wants to write. English words, but we're getting to the state that we're starting to write things like installation instructions, upgrade instructions, and developer guides. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Yes, so parametric uh, features, yeah, and yes, cost planning and sequencing tools. So this is kind of one of the things we promised for the Epic uh, proposal was that we're going to cover everything, and that includes, I guess you'd call it 4D and 5D, right? Um, costing mm-hmm. and scheduling. So this is another thing which IOC can do, which many people aren't aware of. It can create a cost schedule directly, integrate it with your model. No linking, no uh, imports, exports, any of that stuff. So we have, um, I guess, where are we? Work plans, work schedules, work calendars, cost schedules, resources. It it gets pretty deep. So, um, you know, I'll give you a little demo here. We'll, we'll, We'll blow up the screen to make it easier for people to read. Um, so here we are, we'll create, we'll create our uh, workday calendar. And we'll say that this calendar, we are working every uh, week, uh, Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Great. So this is something that you get in tools like Microsoft Project or a mm-hmm. P6 or a Asta Power Project or Synchro. And uh, guess what? Now we have a 100% free software to do it as well we create our calendar and it's <laughs> full ifc uh this is our well i guess this is our nine to five uh and let's create a new uh, holiday so we'll call this the uh, new year's day 
And this is uh, something that happens yearly on a specified date. And we'll take the uh, January the 1st, we'll just have a holiday then. And yes, save that. Great. And then we can create our work schedule and a work plan. And we'll start with our schedule and create a couple tasks. So we can do something like, you know, build foundation or something like that, create a subtask and we'll do uh, excavation and, uh, you know, task one, task two, whatever it happens to be. So this would be the beginning of your construction tree. Uh, sorry, construction tree, work schedule, work schedule, yeah. And so there's features for uh, generating Gantt charts, assigning objects. So we can say, you know, I don't have a foundation here, but um, I can just select all that. And let's say, uh, let's say this half of the building is, uh, I don't know, this task and uh, this half of the building is that task. Great. And uh, let's change my columns. Let's add a new schedule start column and a schedule finish column. Uh, so we'll do start and finish times. I'll make that a bit smaller and we'll do uh, starting from here to let's say, so we take five days to do that. I can do a duration column as well somewhere. Duration takes four days. I haven't assigned my calendar yet. I probably should. So I'll assign my workday calendar to that. Great. I have my workday calendar assigned. Yeah, so this is pretty typical functionality that you see in uh, existing software. Um, we can generate our Gantt chart for it as well, which as you can see here is the world's most boring Gantt chart because there's only one task. Where do um, you get this? Do you get it on your local machine? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yep, a little interactive web page thing. But of course, it's a bit more advanced than that. You can see in the screenshot, you can see some finish to start relationships. It calculates critical path, uh, early dates, late dates, uh, uh, floats, and relationships and subtasks, and all that type of nasty, nasty date calculations that will do your head in. Uh, but great, it, it does those kind of things now. Interesting, very interesting. Oh, and same for costing. But I'm I, costing is a little bit less developed. Uh, you know, you can create things and assign objects and create cost items off them. But uh, it's, it's pretty pretty basic. But we'll, we'll add one. Let's, let's throw in a, a cost item, so-called this walls, and we'll assign this guy. And uh, let's say we're costing this is a, uh, a partition wall. So yeah, the side area is good. So this has a 18 meters squared. Don't mind the meters cubed over there. That's um, just made up stuff. We haven't, mm -hmm. that, that text is not yet working. But the number works. Oh. The text is just placeholder. Anyway, so let's say we have a, a rate of um, $5 per meter squared, which gives us a subtotal of that. And you can do formulas and sub, you know, sub cost items and stuff like that and mm -hmm. cost rates. But yeah, so a whole bunch of new toys have come. Uh, there's some stuff to do with resources as well. So you can see, I guess you call this plant in like some existing software. But yeah, it's, it's still just starting, just getting there, but uh, getting more and more. Oh, and animations too. We can generate little animations of our building being built, which is nice and exciting. So if you want, let's we can build the, the world's most boring animation. Uh, sure, let's just animate January. And if we animate it, well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We've only, I've only got, uh, put dates in for the first bit, so it's only animating mm -hmm. that. 
says something's happening here. And I haven't assigned it to be a construction task. So it's just coloring it this way. Because, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know, it differentiates between construction, demolition, renovation, yeah. or logistical things. Yeah, so lots of new toys coming in. Interesting. How, uh, how much time are you putting in to develop these uh, other features than, than focusing on uh, 3D modeling and, and everything else? Um, half, half. Not sure. I just things change. I think the thing about open source development is that it's it's a messy process. You don't really have, I guess, you know, uh, targets or or bosses or any, mm -hmm. any of that. It just whatever happens happens because somebody wants it to happen, and you don't get to tell people. <laughs> yeah, you don't really get to tell people what you want yeah. to happen. You yeah. get a bit of influence over it, um, depending on the culture of the community. But really, it's a messy process. You know, some somebody might work on something for a bit and then disappear for a year and then come back mm -hmm. later, um, and and that's okay, because you know it's still better than if they hadn't done anything at all. So it's a bit hard yeah. to give a straight answer to that. Yeah, yeah I understand. Understand, but but the, mo most of the focus anyway. So there are, there is some interest in the other features as well. Uh, but now tell me something else regarding this. How is this smarter? How does this leverages IFC and it is better than the other tools existing out there? Ah, simple. No import-export. Mm -hmm. Your data is standardized. It's the same reason why uh, native IFC is, a, is generally a smarter thing to do than black box BIM or traditional BIM because you lose your data if you do it black box. Hmm. Whenever you import and export, you lose your data. Even within the same program, you lose your data. You can't access your data. Here, not only do you have full access to your data, you have freedom to interpret it however you want. You can build your own tools around it. Your data doesn't expire. There's no import and export process. You don't have this model linking that you have to keep on keeping track of. You know, every time there's a new model being released every two weeks and you're falling behind, you just yeah. work together. You have, imagine every single discipline all working with the same language no you know transmitting all the time and uh, having imports and exports and you know, filters and people being out of date and only half the data being sent and, and the rest being hidden and then after the job is finished all that data disappears all of that goes away but there is start. a there is still an issue sorry for interrupting because you say that everybody works in the same file in the same with the same elements and such but you don't have access live. This is not somewhere live updated. You you still need to exchange files, right? Well, not necessarily. Uh, you don't. IC was never designed to be specific to a way of exchange. Yes, most of us use IFC files, but you don't need to. People don't realize this, but you don't need to use that. You can treat IFC as a database, as a shared central server, for example, and you can all work on it interactively all the time. How do you do that? Let's say that you and me want to work on the same project. You do the architecture and the, the structure. How how are we doing this? How, how do we set up this to work? Well, there are a few paradigms which, which exist. None of them have been built for IFC yet. And maybe in a future uh, release, we'll have that really interesting discussion. And we'll, and we'll do a thing where you're on one, you know, one computer editing and I'm on another computer. I don't know when that time will be. A few months, a year, who knows? But it'll happen one, one of these days. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain about it. But there's a few ways of working about it. Just like um, programmers. Programmers... Like Git? 
like Git, something yes, like Git, exactly. right? Exactly. Git can be one option where they're synchronizing in a decentralized fashion, or you can have a centralized workflow like SVN for those who, who know SVN, or it can be streamed for those who, who are aware of uh, how, how the streaming and locking system works. There's quite a few techniques to solve that problem. A simple one like this uh, here. This is this is the IFC data, but it's viewed on a web page, not Blender BIM anymore. It's the same data, but in, in, uh, but in a web page. Now, for those in the audience who, who, who's looking at my address bar going, you know, Dion, this is just a static HTML page. You're right, you're right. I haven't built it yet. But in theory, there's nothing stopping the fact that I can be interacting with the exact same data, you know, half through this Gantt chart form on a web page, and the other half through this visual kind of 3D Blender interface. And, it, and whether that's on one machine or three machines, it doesn't matter. I'm wondering about why do you think Git it's not optimal or it's not ideal for IFC because you said that you you will think about something that should be designed specifically for this. There are two problems here. Um, Git is designed for tracking plain text changes and not huge plain text changes either. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's great for that. And that's what programmers need, right? They edit plain text and and it tracks it. Exactly. Git is not very good for tracking binary changes. So binary would be things like image data or model data. Yes, 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 IFC is you know plain text. You can open it with a text editor, but it's um, it's not very clean when you when you edit it. When you start working with native IFC, it becomes a huge amount cleaner, like crazily cleaner. Uh, when you do a big import export, that's a mess, right? You, you have no idea how things could turn out between one export and, and the next. But when you do it natively, it's a lot cleaner, but it's still not clean enough. Like when a programmer reads the changes, there's the two points of um, the synchronization. The first is to actually just keep track of changes, like an undo system. But the second is to describe the changes. And um, Git was designed to describe it in two ways. First, by a simple text message. You know, we have a discipline in the programming industry to write a short description of changes. So if we go back to under BIM add-on and go to the repository where everything is tracked, you can see how whenever somebody makes a change, there's a little sentence that's written describing why they fixed it. And so uh, we don't have that culture in the uh, BIM industry, in the AC industry. Whenever you make a change, you just press, you know, save synchronize mm-hmm. you know you know you don't write down what you changed mm-hmm. <laughs> and which is a bit of a shame really but the other half of that is that okay let's say um somebody wrote down something you want to see what exactly they changed and here you know if i click on here i can say oh he had exactly that one line of code mm-hmm. and that fixed this whereas for models it's much harder how do you visualize that you know, yes, some of us can read the matrix that is the IFC source, but that's most of us cannot read the matrix. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to communicate that change. Mm-hmm. And that that's the difference between a system which just keeps track of your things to so that you can press undo and a system which actually describes your changes. Nobody has cracked that so far in the BIM world, to be honest. Yeah, but it took some time until uh, Git uh, came out for the programmers, right? So... We need something similar. It was stuff before Git. Before Git, there was SVN. Before SVN, there was CBS. So version control has been around a long time. 
very, very ancient technology. The AC industry kind of just, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. We work does, with such does, complex does systems and we don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, we are getting close to starting to solve it. One of the things that we're doing in native IFC is creating a high level API of changes. So every time you make an edit within here, it's not saying, you know, change lines three, five, six, 20, 53. It, it's not like that. It doesn't work like that. Whenever you make a change, it passes through an API. And this API is specifically designed to break down the complexity of the relationships of IFC into meaningful tasks that anyone can understand. You know, what I'm showing here is a bit nasty. Um, and there's a lot of gunk here. That's because I have a bunch of weird debugging stuff because I was testing a few things. But I'm going to highlight a few lines that are not debugging stuff that will hopefully make some sense to you. So over here, I added a new resource, a subcontractor resource. You can see here is the line which says, I create a new subcontract resource. It's a little bit hard to read, but it's not too hard to read. See, resource, yeah. add resource, subcontract resource. Here's another one, edit cost value. Okay, I'm editing a cost value with a new applied value of five. See, it's, it's, it's not crazily hard to read. Uh, here I'm editing cost value, walls. Um, we'll see another one. This is assign cost item product. That's where I assign wall to wall. And that was when I was clicking here and clicking that. And um, effectively, this is the beginnings of a way of, of meaningfully describing in a standardized way exactly what changes are being made to your native IFC. And this is, again, an industry first. I don't think anyone has quite divvied up the, um, the IFC graphs the way uh, to the extent that we have. And it's really exciting to see because it's, it's, it's a really difficult problem. How do you describe all these interconnected changes happening in a really mm -hmm. simple to understand way? And, and yes, this is really ugly at the moment, but, but for those uh, who are keen-eyed uh, watching this video, I think you'll recognize that there's, there's potential here in creating very meaningful change descriptions that humans will understand. Yeah, Ignore all this type of stuff. This is just debug stuff. <laughs> mm. This is awesome thing, man. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see the development of this in a few months or years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, what do we have further on? Well, there's structural support, but I'm like the wrong person <laughs> to talk to about that because I'm not a structural engineer. I can try bringing the file if I even remember where this file was. Building 01, maybe. Oh, here's a little a cute structural model. Mm -hmm. a little tiny one, not the big tower you saw just now. Yeah. You can see that the point connection has got some curves and planes yeah. and yada, yada. And then maybe if I click on things, it might show me some properties. Well, I'm not, not entirely sure here. Where's the structural boundary conditions? No boundary connections. Okay. Connected members. This is the coordinate system of that connection, right? Mm -hmm. So I can change. The, oh, I, I, I don't even know. Um, maybe structural engineers might appreciate some of this. I, I, I'm not. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> this is my structural member axis. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, and then there's some loads. Okay, we have some loads the and loads, uh, some yeah. load cases. And uh, uh, yeah, oh, look, I, I, I won't pretend to know that I understand how this stuff works. Mm -hmm. A lot of this was written by uh, one of our contributors, uh, Ioannis. Uh, sorry, Ioannis. It's 
pronounced with an E, sorry, although it's spelled with an I, I make that mistake. Um, so it, it just shows that, yeah, please, anyone can join in and, and we really, really welcome new contributions. So, but let me ask you something. Uh, do you think, are there many structural analysis softwares that you can export to IFC? Yeah, I probably shouldn't mention proprietary software and much in this video, uh, just in case. <laughs> but there uh, are some at least, right? So they, they oh, yes. try to go in this direction, I mean. Yep. It looks good. It's uh, it's interesting that because uh, it was not so easy actually to share data between um, structural uh, analysis software and uh, design software, right? It was not easy at all and not even between or not even talk about different uh, softwares of structural analysis. It was the same issue. That's right. And you couldn't view it either. No, that was a terrible no. thing. You couldn't, like the thing I'm showing you right here, there was no viewer for it. It just didn't exist. You couldn't mm. see what I'm showing you here. Well, uh, well, maybe there were some, like uh, I'm sure uh, John Merchant, if he's listening here with his geometry gym add-ons, who was trailblazing uh, for a very long time, he's probably built it. But uh, uh -huh. yeah, there, there's not a lot to choose from. And so yeah, it's yeah. really good to see these things so easily with free software that anyone has access to. And even before, like the, the schedule, an architect can be working their BIM model. And uh, let's say the somebody's using P6 or MS project. They can just go, okay, import P6 or MS project. And ta-da, they can see the work schedule there in, their, there in their model. It's starting to really integrate disciplines in a really exciting way. So um, there's been a lot of bleeding edge open BIM stuff happening with the Google Summer of Code students. So we got two students, Arthur and Prabhat, uh, one working on the information delivery specs and the other one working on BCF XML3 and BCF API. Sorry for interrupting. You told me about uh, Epic Games, but you did not mention too much about Google Summer Code. What is this? Okay, so Google or Summer Code is a program by Google where uh, I think uh, every year, students or, or recent graduates can apply to contribute to an open source project. And mm -hmm. there's a list of open source projects uh, that are listed by Google. And uh, this year, the Blenderim add-on and IFC Open Shell was one of them. We're under an umbrella organization known as OpenCAX, uh, basically like open computer-aided something. Mm -hmm. And you can see there are uh, the free CADs also in there, BRL CAD, Open SCAD. And um, basically a student writes a proposal saying, I want to contribute in this way and build this thing for that project. Mm -hmm. And um, we had two students for IFC Open Shell and uh, the other three projects also got a bunch of students allocated to them. And Google will pay a stipend for the student's time and mentoring time. And it's a great way especially during their summer vacation to um, to learn something and get paid and, and I guess get a lot of experience out of it. Yeah, it sounds very good. Anyway, that's Google Summer Code. Yeah. Cool. Now what? Is this, uh, were these the most important features of the, this uh, release? Well, that was the previous release. And then we have yeah, this yeah, the release. Previous, the previous. I, I, I meant with this, uh, this uh, the previous releases. Yes, yes. Uh, the stuff the students are doing are, are, are really great as well. Uh, for just like to introduce something known as the information delivery specification, in short, IDS. And it's a fancy way of saying, what are your exchange requirements? So 
whenever we exchange our BIM data, you'll notice people saying, oh, make sure this parameter is filled out with these values or, mm -hmm. you know, little requirements like that. And you have all these model checkers. Uh, and the problem with these model checkers is firstly, they're black box. We don't really know how they're checking or can we trust it or they're expensive to only certain people with licenses can check them. And um, they're hard to share. You know, they're not in a standardized way. It only works for that one software. So this specification is a way of saying, all right, here, here's a really simple way, and it's an XML file for those interested, of the most common exchange requirements. So things like, does property exist? And then you can run it on any model checker, not just one, you know, one proprietary one or that, that the previous one worked with, but any model checker, and you'll get a report of all the results. So that's a really interesting project. There is already prototype support with it if you want to um, check it out here in BIM Tester. So you just select on, you choose your ISC file, then you choose, in this case, the IDS file that you are given, and then you just press execute and you'll see the report come out. I don't have a file handy, so I can't show, show one, unfortunately. Interesting. Uh, the other one is BCF. So BCF previously, uh, well, BCF is being upgraded to a new version, which fixes a few things from the old version. But it, uh, one of the nice things is that it has much better API support. So instead of exchanging files, you can communicate directly within your BIM application to um, whatever your issue tracker system is. And I guess, yeah, without having to leave your application. And that's really exciting. So the first step is to build a library which supports it and yeah, soon we'll start seeing a way to integrate with these cloud platforms through their APIs. Sounds interesting, this one as well. This is something like it was available already, but for paid solutions, of course. What do you mean by creating your own library? Library of... Well, actually, no, it wasn't available. The two things I mentioned, IDS and... Um, BCF. And the, uh... I was thinking about the BCF, not IDS. Yeah, they were not available. What was available was BCF XML, which is the file-based import-export. But the API, the version 3 API in general, well, maybe there's a few people out there playing with it, but generally it's it's not available. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's not a lot of support out there right now. Uh, and this is one of those kind of bleeding-edge technologies that um, I guess you can start playing with now instead of waiting. Mm -hmm. Same with IDS. IDS, there was, there wasn't any software out there because it's new. It's just brand new. Um, in fact, not even released probably. Oh well, so, sorry. There was a recent release, but I have to double check. Was that final? Or they're still tweaking things? They're probably still tweaking things. That's good. That's very good that we get progress on this front as well. Yeah, I think we we try to do that. We try to mix between, um, you know, uh, pushing the boundaries of what's possible and. Mm -hmm. um, the kind of more, yeah, we have to build the wall tool. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, two days ago, and with every release, you get a new picture of my very cute pet rabbit. Here is Cinnamon lying on the sofa. And uh, in terms of features, there wasn't a huge amount of progress between the previous release and this release, uh, largely because a huge amount of time was spent on two things. The first was giving presentations. So I'm very slow at preparing for presentations. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I gave a presentation at Built and at CAD Futures. The CAD Futures one is public and posted on here, and hopefully you can share a YouTube link to that as well. Mm -hmm. It's a one hour long presentation and took a long time to prepare, but I highly recommend it. It is one hour where we go, we, we start from uh, the basic high level, you know, what is open, and then we zoom right down to writing Python code and building stuff. So it's very, very detailed. We talk about how the IC schema works for those who, who are new to it or, or trying to understand how to read the documentation and how these relationships and diagrams work. It's highly informative, or at least we try to make it so, and I would recommend sharing it for, for, for those who haven't seen it already. Even if you know nothing yes. about OpenBIM, this is a great place to begin. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, I, I watch it and uh, it, it is indeed very, uh, very uh, helpful. It goes from the start and uh, then into details, very nice details for who is interested, of course. Uh, so that unfortunately took up uh, maybe, I don't know, one to two weeks of work. <laughs> uh, wow. But another thing which yeah. took up yeah, I'm very slow with presentations. Uh, another thing which took up a lot of time was this, undo and redo. This is uh, four developers uh, took basically a week and a half of trying to crack this problem. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you know, press this is, it's a bit of a boring one, really. You press the undo button and we sort of expect that to work. But um, yeah, it never worked. <laughs> <laughs> basically, ever since we rebuilt the entire add-on, in January, for the past seven months, uh, well, I guess six months, undo never worked. And that's just a technical problem, a technical complexity due to how native IFC uh, uh, functions, uh, because you're no longer using Blender as a tool. Blender is simply a um, interface or a client to an underlying IFC system. So the whole Blender undo system was completely detached from the IFC system. So whenever you press undo in Blender, it didn't necessarily mean that it actually undid whatever you did and whatever changes you made in IFC. So synchronizing the multiple undo systems and creating transactions so that anybody can, now anybody, not just Blender BIM guys, but anybody including FreeCAD or, or anyone who's using IFC OpenShell who's editing their IFC now can also benefit from undo and redo uh, is, is really exciting. So you mean everyone using IFC Open Shell? Because this is in in the core of IFC Open Shell. Correct, correct. Anyone using IFC Open Shell now can uh, the the technical term is uh, use a transaction, but basically undo and redo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, it might be a little bit misleading when we say in IFC, right? Because if you don't include IFC uh, Open Shell in your processes, then you don't get access to this. Correct, correct. Yes, there are other IFC libraries out there. IFC OpenShell is not the only one, uh, but it is the only one I think that does undo redo. So um, exciting. Cool. Yeah, so other than these two big things, which took a lot of my time, it's been mostly uh, stability fixes. So, for example, that column tool, which you saw that bug on earlier, yeah. that was released. Uh, there was a new beam tool, the op creating the openings in the walls. That was a new thing as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't show some of the other parametric features of the, of the columns and beams, but they, you know, they're there now. And there were many, just like that that material, that, that, that bug which showed up, there were many of those before, which were squashed. And mm -hmm. that, that bug which you saw just now, 
which is because this is the first time that feature has been released, uh, will again be squashed in the next release. Generally, we have to fix, whenever we introduce a lot of new features, we got to spend another release fixing all the broken stuff <laughs> from the previous release. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Same with the work schedules. I mean, we released all that 4D and 5D stuff, but yes. with one big bug. Whenever you changed one thing in your schedule, the change never propagated. Oh. You know, what's the point of a work schedule which mm -hmm. doesn't propagate your dates? So, um, <laughs> but that's the trade-off, right? When you mm -hmm. when you first start building and releasing a bunch of new features, it's kind of still rough and incomplete, and then you spend your next pass over it, kind of cleaning it up and making mm -hmm. it a bit more stable. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Now, can you please go through uh, the existing roadmap of uh, Blender BIM? I'm really curious how you updated this and. Um, what are the objectives for the near uh, future? So this is a living document, which means that it keeps on being changed. So currently, these are the, the big items which I'm currently looking at. So a bunch of yada, yada, yada. Uh, this is one we just talked about, is how do you get multi-user editing? How do you have multiple people editing the same data set at the, simultaneously? whether it's file-based or server-based or API or whatever, data-based. This is one that one thing which is on the roadmap. And uh, unfortunately, a little bit of a long-term thing, uh, but it'll be good yeah. to get a prototype of it working um, so that we at least know it can be done. In theory, uh, there's nothing stopping it from being done, but it'll be good to have, just do some run some early experiments mm -hmm. before we uh, get to it. I understand. Um, BCF, getting the, the, the Google Summer of Code students finished is another uh, short-term milestone we're looking at. So Sorry for jumping in. How long will you keep getting uh, help from uh, the Google Summer of School Code? Oh, I have to check that. I'm not very good. I should check my dates. <laughs> it's basically a summer holiday, so it's not too long. Oh, yeah, okay. It's, it's not years. <laughs> it's, <laughs> we're, we're talking, um, yeah, a few, few, few months. But hopefully they'll stick around, right? I mean, yeah, um, yeah. Why not? Why not? Exactly. So hopefully we'll get. Uh, well, well, we will definitely get the two things. So they both students have been making really great progress. Probably with uh, the BCF API and um, and a BCF server as well now, and uh, Artur with IDS support. BCF server. What do you mean by that? Well, um, there's two parts of of BCF. There is your uh, server, like, like your cloud system that keeps track of all your issues, right? Uh, most people on projects, they have a yes. CDE of some kind. Yes, exactly. Um, and then there's the client, which is like how you view those problems and uh, locally next to your model and make fixes. And how, how would this server work then? You, you need to use a third-party service. Yeah, so at the moment, it will be just a prototype so that at the least implementers can have something to interact with. Because let's imagine you want to build something to do with BCF. It's not fair if you have to pay for a server just to experiment with your tool. Hmm. Uh, we want to make it accessible to everybody. So we'll build a very small, simple server that does almost nothing, but enough so that you can test your tools. And later mm -hmm. on, we might connect it to other tools so that you can use GitHub as your... Um, Issue management server. systems, hmm. yeah, server or or whatever would that you want. Be possible? That would be amazing, Absolutely. actually. Absolutely, there's wow. no reason why you can't use GitHub 
and and people have done that for already free. actually yeah yeah for free yeah why should you pay for it yeah in fact shout out to the open project guys for those of you who don't know um a really great cde which is growing which is 100 free and open source is open project so if you're looking for a free cde to replace i don't know your legacy uh, traditional closed one take a look at open project which has support and it does it even have you should have some pictures for um <laughs> i don't know bimmy stuff hey we are nope it's going to show some pictures defects yeah milestones uh oh come on show a picture of a 3d model <laughs> maybe in their intro video i'll turn turn that sound off let's try our luck here skip 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 how do they make money there you go oh well um the same way github makes money just because the system is free doesn't mean that you had the capabilities to run it on your own premises mm -hmm. with the security considerations you need to make especially if you're working with government or um or private clients so naturally it makes sense to pay somebody who's an expert at that yeah. uh, but you can definitely run it for free and the system is free there we go here's a bim model viewed on it mm. so yeah you can see your issue management and so shout out to these guys please check them out open project 100 free and open source so yeah they they are also support uh well in progress creating support for the BCF API version three. And that's one of the things which we are going to integrate with once mm -hmm. this Google project is done. Anyway, uh, a couple of other things. Uh, ah, yes, uh, BSDD is another upcoming specification, which we've built a library for it, but it'll be good to have an interface so that people can play around with it. So unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we need buttons. Uh, we've got to expose it to people. There is some work being done on facility management. There is a new, I guess you'd call it a successor to Kobe uh, facility management handover specification being drafted and a public draft was released, I don't know, a month, two ago mm -hmm. uh, on the Building Smart forums. So that is in the works and hopefully we will see uh, new FM data tools being released. Of course, more work on drawings, Uh, there's a list on costing and scheduling, which is sort of in flux right now. One of the things we're trying to solve in costing and scheduling is parametric costing and scheduling. So that's where uh, effectively um, IFC has the ability to describe rates, productivity rates, which then drive your task times and your, uh, I guess, your, your costs. So for those of you who are interested in joining us on this project, we have started documenting these various relationships. This is a bit technical and it'll take a while to solve this before we can even start writing code. And then when we start writing code, uh, then we got to turn it to buttons that people can play with. But this is definitely something we want to crack is how do you turn costing and scheduling into a parametric endeavor? So I'll just kind of like skim through some of the diagrams we're creating here, which describe the various relationships that we're working with. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, here, here's a simple one, you know, whether we have a uh, calendar inheritance or you know, uh, talking about resources that are used by a task or a work schedule, uh, recurring tasks, and and so on. But anyway, we won't we won't go too deeply into this. It's pretty 
yeah, yeah. detailed spec stuff. <laughs> but that's def- it's unfortunately that it's a glimpse of the work which needs to be done before you get to something like this. You know, mm-hmm. somebody needs to sit there, you know, planning out the system before you can write the code, and then somebody needs to write the code before you can see the buttons, and somebody needs to push the buttons before the button actually works and stop giving error messages. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. But regarding the kind of version, the beta version, or you know, the version that we can try to use in the, on our projects. How how do you feel about that? Initially, I thought it would be sometime this year. And then I kind of restarted from scratch in the beginning of this year, rebuilt everything. Uh, that said, rebuilding it has allowed us to go 10 times faster. So that's why we've got all these new 4D and 5D stuff that would have never been possible with the old system. But that might also, due to the rebuild, starting fresh, have to push the beta release to next year. And the biggest the two biggest things I believe which are holding back the beta release are the parametric authoring and the drawing generation. Parametric authoring as you know as as you saw yes I can throw in a wall I can throw in and you you, you saw the bugs with it and it will show mm-hmm. just how early it is and I can throw in some beams and columns but that's it because that's all we've built. I can't even put a door right now. Well, I can. Like I said, like the, the features exist. I can create a door, just it'll take me 50 clicks to do so. But mm-hmm. I can't create a door in one click. And that's what we need to build. It's that one-click door creation tool. So once we have that working much, much more smoothly, it'll take a few times to get right. You know, we'll go through the objects one by one. And we'll, and we'll start just having to distribute project libraries so that, yes, anyone can play with it out of the box instead of having to create things from scratch and then see a drawing. Because I think that's that's kind of like the, the end-to-end workflow. You start from nothing, you draw your walls, your doors, your like a simple, you know, four walls and a roof, and then you click another button and it creates a drawing. We just want get, to get that full workflow going, which you can do right now very painfully, but we want to make it slick. And mm-hmm. that will, when, only when it's slick and somebody goes, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. That, that's when we'll know we can start talking about the beta. Okay. But we're seeing signs of it, right? That, that wall editing just now, that's starting to look slick, um, in, at least in my opinion. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. That's good. That's good. Progress is progress no matter how small, right? But actually, you did a lot of progress. Like, like I did not expect it uh, to, to get this far this year. But you uh, widened the scope of the project by uh, releasing the new, the new approach, the new system, like you said at the beginning of the year, right? That's right. Yeah. We said drawing walls is not enough. We want to do 4D, 5D structural analysis, lighting analysis. You know? mm. We want to do everything. <laughs> and, and yes, as a result, yeah, well, uh, uh, for... push back a few things. Yeah, I get that. But then you you get with a foundation that will be relevant for many years to come. So Correct. you need to look at that as well. And that's very important. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about open source and that like we don't rush for a deadline. We do what we think we need to do, even if it takes more time. And at the moment, if that means that you know, we're we're training new developers. We're testing out new parts of the schema. We're mm-hmm. we're widening our scope uh, to make sure that when you draw a wall, that wall works for everything, not just for architectural purposes. Uh, that that's incredibly important. Yes, that's true. 
do you have a message to deliver? If yes, now is the time to do that. <laughs> the message is the same as all the all, as always uh, before before we end this call. Anyone can join in. That's the great thing about free software. It's when we say free. For those of you new to the term, I'm not talking about zero price. I'm talking about freedom. That you had the freedom to join, to tweak, to change, to break, to tell us we're doing things wrong, and we we like it when you do because we can fix it. And it's that anyone can join. And the best place to get started is go to osarch.org. There's a community forum and a live chat. Drop in and say hello. Um, my internet's loading. Here we are. There's a community there. Uh, you know, forum, live chat. Subscribe to the newsletter. There is a, uh, a wiki as well. I also highly recommend this YouTube video, which I pointed out before. If you're new to IFC, or even if you if you aren't new to IFC, if if, if you use IFC already every single day but you are new to native IFC, which is completely different to uh, traditional IFC where people import and export IFCs. Like we're, we're talking natively authoring IFCs. Uh, this video is a great one to watch. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much, man, for taking the time. I know how caught up in developing you are, and I really appreciate uh, that you took the time to talk about this. It's very important what you do there. Keep, keep doing it. We need more of you. And we need more of you too, Petru. Like, it's not just developing. <laughs> developing is one tiny part of it. It's a, it's a whole workflow. You need somebody to plan things out before you even write code. Somebody needs to write the code before you can see the button. Somebody needs to see the button before you can push and test the button. Somebody needs to test the button before it actually works properly. Somebody needs to get it working properly before you can document it. Somebody needs to document it before you can write the tutorial. Somebody needs to write the tutorial before you can translate it. Like it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a, you know, and somebody, and all that needs to happen before you can market it. And it's just, it's a huge, huge, huge um, aspect. And You've seen how, how wide the scope is. Anyone can involved in any step of that process. You don't need to know programming. Come join the fun. Yeah, man. But uh, when, I, when I'm talking about you, I mean, like, I really like your relentlessness. Like, you you just don't stop. I, <laughs> like, you you just go further and further and further. And this, this is very important because you, you inspire and motivate so many people to join uh, the forces. And... I really, I really uh, applaud you for that. It's this is very important. I really admire you for this. Thank you, Petru. Thank you for taking the time. <laughs>